Good morning, branches. <laughs> Would you, yeah. Would you guys stand all up and us in a word of prayer? Lord, thank you for uh, bringing us together. <clears throat> As you'd help put us in a place where we can hear from you, where we can kind of leave everything that's been going on uh, for the week and uh, be present with you at your feet to hear from you and move out of here closer to you and uh, feeling your love in a deeper way and letting that work through us into loving others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with us? Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all thy worlds I hands have made, I see Shout of acclamation and take me home. What joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God. The world awakens in the 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your beauty. Thank you for all that you are and all that it is you are that we don't even realize yet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can take a seat. It seems a little weird this morning because uh, Ryan's not here. So you guys should be very thankful that everything actually works because we all had to figure it out on our own. It was a little sketchy, but we did it. Um, so I want to share with you some family business first. Uh, not this next week, but the week after we're doing the food packing. All right, so do you guys know what that is? Does anyone have no, who doesn't have any idea what I'm talking about right now? So okay, don't be shy, because some of you have no idea. All right, anyone else have no idea? Come on, I know you. John, you have no idea. Exactly, you didn't want to say it. Karis, do you know what we're talking about? Really? What are we doing? Yes, we're packing food. So we're all, this whole Sunday morning in two weeks will just be us packing food. Uh, and here, out there, and around the corner, I know it sounds a little daunting, but it's not as daunting as you would imagine. We're packing these little bags. Uh, I should have had one with me. They're in the back. Um, but we are packing 20,000 meals. I know it sounds overwhelming, but it's not. They said that we can do it with our size of a group in an hour and a half. So that's what we're going to do. And those 20,000 meals are going to go to one of three countries where it's a big deal whether they can even get food at all to eat. So I want to give you the heads up on that. All right. So um, we are continuing with this series, Love God, Love People. We, we, we know that Jesus did this, right? We know that Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, right? So he called these 12 disciples and he gave them authority to drive out spirits and heal every um, disease and sickness but have you ever thought about the 12 that he gathered he gathered 12 guys they weren't for the most part of those 12 they didn't know each other ahead of time they weren't buddies they imagine if you were to be a part of a club some dude called you and you you felt comfortable going but then you're stuck with 11 other people like when you walked in this morning you chose where you were going to sit and you kind of looked around right Obviously, it's summer, so things are even lower numbers than usual. But still, you're kind of looking for your people. 
um, we had a situation, well, this, this happened all the time, and it still does, but um, my buddy Rich, who's one of the leader on the leadership team here, they're out of town, and he said that when he first came to church, because he said, you know, we, we knew we needed to, we were being called, which is really hard because they helped be a part of planting this one church, um, Coast Hills, they'd been involved with it for years, but they felt something saying, wait, we're supposed to go to this other church. I don't know why, but we're supposed to go to this other church. So he showed up, and um, our buddy that used to be here got married. They moved away. Uh, his name is BT. Now, Rich is um, buttoned up, right? Buttoned up guy. He's, you know, he, for the most part, if he goes to work, buttoned up. When he's cruising, he'll wear a T-shirt and jeans. But, I mean, he's, you know, he runs a business. He's one of those guys. BT is, you would never imagine these two next to each other because he shows up and BT has... Um, a white beater shirt, t-shirt, um, and he has tats all down his arms, all down his legs, all the way down, even on his feet, his hands, up his neck, and BT's out front handing out the, hey, welcoming everybody, and as soon as Rich came up, he's like, this is where I need to be, <laughs> because he felt like he was hanging out in his bubble with everybody that looked like him, sounded like him, listened to his same music, they didn't have to get together and say, oh, what are you watching on TV? Because they all watch the same things, right? They go to the same vacations. They do the same things. Him and BT, like two different worlds. And so when you look here at Jesus calling these guys, it's a little bit different. And what we've had happen not only at our church but other churches is that people are having a really hard time getting along because they have different perspectives, they have different ways of looking at things. Not only, I mean, even if they got through all the ways they look different, then it's, it gets to that point where like, what, you think that? Like you start to get to know people a little bit better, you're like, wait, what? You're crazy, why would you think that? You should be thinking this, it's what we do, right? I mean, have you ever said to yourself, how in the world can that person be a follower of Jesus? Because of fill in the blank. They wear this, they say that, they're a part of this group, they, whatever it is, we have that in all of us. It's not like a shocker. Um, you think, like, how in the world can you be a follower of Jesus and have that perspective on blank? And I'm not just talking about politics, although that's the hot one we've had the past few years, but there's so much other stuff where you want to be with people that look like you. In fact, um, I have friends that are really, you know, into the church growth thing, and, and they always say, you know, when someone enters, they need to see themselves. Meaning, when you come, you need to see someone that you can relate with, which is understandable. But yet Jesus calls these 12 people that are so different. So what if the kingdom of God is not the way you think it should be? What if the kingdom of God is not the way that church growth people think it should be what is it that kept these guys together at least relation relationally what was it so these are the names of the 12 apostles so if you have your bibles open up to matthew chapter 10 so the name of the 12 that he called he, he set them aside for some reason there were others that followed but for some reason he set these guys aside Simon, who we know is Peter, his brother, Andrew, so we know they knew each other. Then there's James and his brother, John. And then there's Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and there's Thaddeus, and then Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed them. So you look at those names, and they're just names to you, right? Like you hear them so much, you don't even think about their deals. But I want us to pay attention to two people here. Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot. Now, for the most part, if you've ever heard anything from the Bible, then you know that the tax collectors were, they were on the same par with thieves and murderers. Like they, because the Romans came in, they took over the, 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 the whole land, the people of Israel, and the tax collectors were not Romans. They were, imagine if, if Rome came and took us over, It'd be like someone from South Orange County, one of your neighbors is, no, I'll raise money for you guys. Let's imagine Canada comes in and takes over, right? 
Canada comes in, takes over, and they're occupying, they're changing everything, and so everybody's upset because there's no autonomy. And then you have one of your friends, one of your neighbors, or someone that you don't even know them, but they're a local. And they're collecting money for the invaders. And they're getting rich off of it on top of all that. Not very well liked, hated, despised. They're a traitor to their own people. Well, Simon, the zealot, he's the exact opposite. He's a freedom fighter. He is a guy involved in an organization that is trying to take over the government and kick Rome out. I mean, if you thought, hey, that person believes this, they're on the right, they're on the left, or they're red, or they're blue, it is nothing like this. And yet, these two are called together at the same time. It's almost as if, Jesus, did you ever take an organizational leadership class? Like, what are you doing? What, do you realize group dynamics? Do you know what's going to happen here? Like, these 12 are going to travel, they're going to go everywhere together, and you're putting them in the same, this is not going to work. Let's not even think about those two. What about the other 10? Like, oh my gosh, there they go again. Oh my God. And you know the other 10 aren't going to agree. They're not going to be, oh, I'm all with Simon or I'm all with Matthew. Like they're going to have their own opinions. Forget all their other stuff. Forget about all the other things they've got to work through as human beings, but to deal with these two guys going at each other's throats. What was Jesus thinking? How are these guys going to put up with each other? I mean, they're enemies. So that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to delve into is what does it look like for us as the people of God to maybe think differently and say, oh, you know what? We're supposed to be with people that look, sound, and think very different than us. He like lays the groundwork from the very beginning. The thing is, is that the people of God, they keep dividing and keep splitting. Even churches split. They rarely split because of theology. They almost always split or people leave or people come because of personality. And yet Jesus jumps right in and gets these two guys that have opposite personalities and says, I'm calling you both. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Paul had to deal with the same thing. Um, he had to deal with a church in Colossia. And he had to deal with the church in Ephesus. And so they do the same thing. This is not a new thing. This is not a 2021 thing. This isn't even a year 32 thing. This is just how people are. And so after Jesus died and risen from the dead, then Paul's he's going around, he's planting these churches, and he's telling them about Jesus. And these people start gathering. And when people gather, they start fighting because they think differently. So he says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Okay, first of all, before I go any farther, do you realize you're God's chosen people? Like you are God's chosen. He's talking to people in Colossia. This isn't in Israel. And he was going to the people that are outside of Israel and he's calling them God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, I want us to pay attention to something right there. He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When you can't get along with people, and that will happen, people say, well, you know what, Lord, just bring it out of me. <laughs> Look, I need you to love this person. I need you to put up with this person because I can't do it, right? And we think that that's how it's going to work. But notice that Paul says to clothe yourself. Like, so you got to put it on. It doesn't necessarily fit right sometimes. It might fit like, you know, like a little girl trying to put on a wedding dress or some guy in college getting his first suit. And he's like, I don't, this isn't what I wear. I don't look like this. I feel out of sorts, right? Whatever you normally dress like, try dressing differently and you just don't feel right. And so you may feel like I'm faking it. Well, clothe myself with compassion. I don't have any compassion for that person. Doesn't matter. Put it on. Humility, I'm, look, I'm looking down on this person. I don't want to admit it out loud, but I'm looking down. So I have to be humble. You've got to put it on. To be kind, I'm not a kind person. Put it on. So it's understandable if it doesn't feel right for you to do it. But Paul's saying, guys, put it on. 
Don't come up with excuses. Just figure a way to put it on and push through. And then he says this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Bear with each other. It's all over scripture. It's one word. And really what it means is put up with each other. Doesn't, isn't that what it is most of the time? That you just got to put up with somebody? And you're even saying that to yourself. Like, I don't want to go there because I don't want to put up with that person. I couldn't think of any other phrases that people normally use for that, but it just seemed like such a good one. Like to put up is the exact same thing as what it means to bear with each other. But when we talk about bearing with each other, we need to understand that there's a difference. Notice that the word, this is the same verse, everything's the same here, but I highlighted a different word. Bear with each other and forgive one another. So to bear with someone, to put up with them, is different than forgiving those are two separate things. They're connected, they correlate with each other, but they're distinct. So like we know what forgiveness means, right? It means to someone has done something wrong to you. That will happen. That will happen with church, that will happen with friends, that will happen with family, that will happen with siblings, spouses. That's what people do. And so that's why Paul says, look, you're going to have to forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But before that, he says, bear with one another. That means something different. So this is the way that I've kind of tried to separate it out. Um, bearing with one another has to do with differences between individual followers of Jesus. It's the differences. It's bearing with those differences. It has to do with personality clashes, difference in perspective, viewpoint, about what the problem may be and what the solutions are. I mean, it'll even happen here. We didn't have one of those moments this morning, but Kyle and I were you know, talking about the rugs. And if there was a bunch of people, you know, a bunch of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak, you know how that goes, right? Well, you're going to do it that way. You shouldn't be doing it this way. And you're trying to figure out how to get them to do what you want to do because, I mean, obviously the way you want to do it, it's the right way. And they're thinking wrong, so how can I get them to figure that out? Or can I get them over? And we have different ways of doing it. Sometimes we're very sly and nothing happens. Sometimes we, um, we try to be really direct. We still don't change their mind. Sometimes we try to be manipulative. We still don't change their mind. Because you can't really change people's minds for the most part. Because they think I'm right and you're wrong. Right? So it's in the way that we try to fix problems sometimes. I mean, this is the stuff that husbands and wives have to deal with all the time. There's some spouses where for them, what they really want is to have physical touch. They want someone to come in and, and they want their spouse to just put their hands on them. And this almost always works. I don't know why God set it up this way, but whoever they end up marrying, he's like, please don't touch me. And I really don't want to touch you. And you're like, how can you think that way? Like we're married. And then there's some that like, you know what? We've we got to save. We've got to save. we got to plan. And of course, they're going to marry someone that says, why are you so uptight? Like, God gave us this money to use it, to spend it. What are you doing? And then we've got someone that what their biggest thing is, is please just do something, do some kind of thing for me at the house. Like, could you please like vacuum or do the dishes and the other person is saying, well, I don't value that, so why should you value that? I don't, that doesn't make any sense. Of course it doesn't make any sense because it's a different perspective than you. So spouses are having to deal with this stuff all the time. I mean, it can go from like, they want to eat here. When they go on vacation, this person's like, well, you know what? We got to get out and see everything. The other person says, I'm on vacation. I just want to sit here with my book. What are we doing here? Why do you want to do that? Because that's the wrong thing to do. In marriage, you have to bear with each other because we look at things differently. And in the same way in a church, in the people of God, between the churches, forget just in the church, the church is getting along with each other. Oh, really? So you guys are meeting for church, but you don't wear masks. And then, of course, the other church, what? You're wearing masks? You're dumb. Like all these things, like we can't even get the churches to get along. Wait. You're Catholic and you're evangelical and you guys use candles and you guys don't. And wait, what kind of music are you playing? Like they just, who cares? But these churches will split and people won't get along because of personality. 
And Jesus is like blowing that out of the water from the very beginning because he takes the two most opposite people you could, people that literally would kill each other, and says, you're on the same team now. And they've got to figure out a way to bear with each other, to put up with each other. Now, I want to point something else out here. Because how do we get to that place? And so how do we do this? And I'd never noticed this before, but in this original passage that we looked at, where Matthew is, Matthew's the one that wrote this right here. He's the one that is laying out what's going on here. That's why it's called Matthew. Because it's the gospel according to Matthew. He's putting his memory on it. Notice what he calls himself. He could have just thrown in Matthew. This is afterwards. He's not a tax collector anymore. He could have easily edited that out because it's not like, ooh, the guy that wrote the book, he's a tax collector? Awesome. Like he's already discredited himself. But he's beginning to see himself more clearly and he doesn't want to take it out. Yeah, that's who I was. When I was called, I was Matthew the tax collector. Now, I don't know what translation you're looking at, but it will most likely, if it's a, if it's a literal translation, it'll say Simon the Canaanite. So he could have easily, highly, I mean, he could have called him a lot of stuff, couldn't he? I mean, he's the author. He could have said Simon, the one that no one could get along with. Like I could imagine Will Ferrell. Have you ever seen the outtakes of Will Ferrell in a movie where he's like, cussing somebody out, but he uses all these crazy terms and things. Like, I could see Matthew has carte blanche here to just say whatever he wants. But he calls him Simon the Canaanite. And the Canaanite was not meaning he's from Canaan. What it meant was is that he's, he was enthusiastic. He was passionate about the people of Israel. And so I think it's instructive that he's willing to see himself and others more clearly. I mean, the great prophet, Ted Lasso, said this. He said, it's better to be curious than judgmental. I mean, these guys were stuck together traveling, so you know they had their fights. But eventually, when you're around someone, no matter how different they are from you, you're going to begin to learn about them. And the more you learn, something happens, and then there's a connection. There's a connection that brings you closer together. Well, um, so I asked Ryan if he wanted me to tell you guys what happened. So what happened was is they have um, their son, Liam, went away to camp this last weekend. So when we were here, Liam wasn't here because he was away at camp. And while he was away at camp, he got COVID. Came home, gave it to the family. And so they're fighting through it right now. Please pray for Nancy. She's the one struggling the most. Um, he goes, I don't care, man. If people are praying, that's good. So you have a little prayer thing, Nancy. I'm going to say it again. So you're like, what was her name again? Nancy. So she's fighting through it, but it's hard. It's, it's pretty hard. High fever, the whole thing. Liam, though, was away at camp. As a kid, I never went away to camp. But when I um, was called into ministry, I would take kids up to a Young Life camp. And so you've got all, and we always went, I made our kids go on Urban Weekend. Because I had all the kids from South Orange County, right? Bunch of surfers, because, you know. Hey, who looks like me? So all those kids, those are the easiest kids for me to connect with, and there'd be other kids, but when you're connecting, if you don't look or sound like, you just don't gel, right? And so I knew what it was like where I grew up, I was the minority. And I knew that, you know, here in South Orange County, they didn't have that gift. It is a gift. And so we would go up on an urban weekend, and we'd have this one awesome group, Frisco! No one was white in that group. It was a mixture of black and Mexican, and even they would fight with each other in the beginning of the week of camp. And then, of course, now, I'm not making this up. Not only did I bring white kids, surf kids, but in our group, this first time that I ever took kids to camp, I had skinhead Aryan kids in my group. And I'm taking them up where they've been told by whoever was giving them this impression that they were the superior race, and that these other people were scum. So they were super popular at camp. So we're up there at camp, and it's like, 
um, we've gotten, there's a, there's a progression that goes through the camp and I can't remember the exact night, but it was probably like night four or so. And so the, the big group of all of us together has changed. And as I'm coming back to the cabin, I, I come and I sit on the porch because I have to make sure my kids actually come back because I had probably the roughest kids at camp. Uh, they were brutal. And I'm like, okay, if they don't come back, I know they're breaking something or destroying something or hassling somebody. So I'm on the porch and I see uh, one of the guys from Frisco and he's coming with his uh, crutches because he messed his knee up while he was up at camp. And so I see this kid walking with him, just walking back with him and just asking him questions and trying to carry his stuff for him because he had the crutches. And as they're coming closer and closer, I'm like, that is not Alec. That is not one of my Aryan kids that's helping this six foot five black guy with like jerry curls. It wasn't cool at this time. It wasn't that long ago, but he has the huge jerry curls and he's cruising and he's got all the stuff in his hair. And I'm looking at these two. I mean, it's, it's Matthew and it's Simon and they're walking together and I'm like, oh, and so I just start like crying, but yeah, I can't look, I can't cry when they get here. So I got to get it all out before they get, get by. And as they're leaving, hey, look, hey bus, I'll see you tomorrow. Or hey, let's meet at the play. I don't, can't remember what they said, but they're like friends now to some degree. And so we go in and we have this thing called cabin time. So they're all there and um, then we do that. And then afterwards, um, I pull Alec to the side and I say, Alec, I think you need to share with the whole group what, what was going on there. And so, you know, the group's together again and, and he says, you know what, I'll just be honest with you. Like, when I came here, I saw black and white. But I realize now in, in God's kingdom, I can see in color. And then one by one, his other Aryan buddies started sharing the same stuff. They had this perspective, but it was wrong. And they were willing to see themselves clearly and begin the journey to see other people differently, to see them more accurately for who they are, and to see what connects them. That's what it should be like. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And so as we're preparing for this series, it's this series where we're looking at, okay, we're replanting this church. And we will, we should probably be doing it now, but we don't have enough people. <laughs> but we need some of you to greet people as they come. And my hope is, is that the people that are coming look nothing like you. And I'm hoping that people that do come look in and go, wow, there's some people that look like me, but there's some people that look, that they're way different than I am. But somehow they see, wait, how are these weirdos getting along? How are they putting up with each other? Well, they're putting up with each other because that's what we do. That's who we are. And so as we move into this, this new season, um, which by the way, the Coastal Commission is making things more difficult, <laughs> but it looks like we're about to get through. So I'm just giving you, I just want to give you a little update. So in September is our meeting with Coastal Commission and our planner who works for the Coastal Commission is recommending uh, that we get pushed through. There's all these requirements that we have to do for it. But bottom line, we're getting through, which means we still haven't started construction yet because you have to get through Coastal Commission before you can do that. So it's going to be a little while. But we need to understand that as we're going through this series, the reason we're doing it is so that we can remember who are we? What are we going to be? This is who we're going to be. We're going to love each other radically to the point where people on the outside are like, why are you loving that person? Why are you loving that group? You're not supposed to do that. And they're going to see a group of people that don't look anything alike and go, how are these people getting along? To where you are inviting people that you would never normally invite because they don't look like you or sound like you or act like you. But you're like, hey, I know if you ever want to, we're doing this. We're doing this food packing thing. Or if you ever want, we meet on Sundays. Or if you ever want, I get together with a couple other guys and we're going surfing or whatever. But you're thinking with different eyes. You're beginning not thinking black and white, but in color. Because that's where we're going. And the primary reason, I want to close with this, the primary reason that they could be together, that Simon and Matthew could walk and work together, it doesn't mean they ever became best friends. That's okay. You know what I mean? That's okay. We don't really know their full story, so I'm not going to give you some great you know, made-for-TV setup here. But they walked with each other because... Christ was what unified them. And if Christ thought they should be together, then they could deal with it. They could figure it out. Because the Lord knows what he's doing. 
And the Lord, we, there's so, I mean, like all of these sermons, they could be three times as long. If I was in another country, they'd expect me to go three hours. I've had to do that. It's not as hard as you would think. And if we were to do, my wife's going, no, don't do it. <laughs> because if you were to do this, it's all over scripture. It's just what Jesus did. It's what the kingdom of God looks like. We put up with each other because they're putting up with us. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then I'm going to ask uh, Tyler to lead us in worship. Father God, we, uh, we surrender to you our thinking, our perspective. And Lord, give us courage to put on humility and kindness in reaching out and embracing those that look different, that act different, that think different than us. Unify us, Father, under your Son, Jesus. Amen. All right, if you're able, let's uh, stand together. search the word but it couldn't fill me man's empty praise and treasures of faith were never Better than you 
No, there's nothing better than you. No, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. So kind of going along with what Bogan said in the message, the best way that I know how, imperfectly, <laughs> to try to love people that I don't necessarily get along with or have issues with is just to think of the, uh, it's, uh, it sounds cliche, but always going back to the love of Christ and what he did for us and literally love the people that killed him. So I kind of use that as inspiration for these next couple songs, looking to the Lord for ways to love those that are hard to love. A favorite <laughs> quote of mine from Bob Goff is, what is it? Love difficult people. You're one of them. Well, I could just sit, well, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. Well, I could just stay home, well, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am, never let you change me from the inside, and I could be safe on, I could be safe here in your arms, and never leave home, never let these walls down, but you have called me higher, you have called me deeper. I go where you will lead me, Lord. You have called me higher. You have called me deeper. I go where you will lead me, Lord. Wherever you lead me, Lord. I could hold on. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am, never let you change me from the inside, and I could be safe, oh. I could be safe here in your arms, and never leave home, never let these walls down, but you have called me higher, you called me deeper I go where you will lead me Lord you have called me higher you have called me deeper I go where you will lead me Lord wherever you lead me Lord well, I will be I will be yours for all my life. And I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours. I will be yours for all my life. So let you mercy I will be yours I will be yours through all my life so let your mercy light the path before me cause you have called me higher you have called me deeper I go
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace to talk. My heart to feel and grace my fears release. How precious did that grace be? Because you're going to be praying together, all you different folk are going to be praying differently. So this is Philippians chapter 2, and if it's white, I'm going to read it. And if it's green, you're going to read it. So like, that's what's coming next, that's you, that's me, don't read my part. <laughs> um, the way this is going to work, though, is that typically we try to make it so, okay, everybody goes on cue and everybody says it the same. So during the green, like someone will probably quietly like me go, by being like-minded. And then everybody kind of takes over, so they're all on the same little track, right? Sounding the same. We're not going to do that. You just read it how you read it, and when it seems like everyone's read that part, then I'll read the next one. But Paul, like we said, had to write to the church in Colossia. And then he had to write to the church in Ephesus. And then here he's writing to people in Philippi saying, guys, this is what we do. This is how we act towards each other. This is what it looks like. And so this is Philippians 2. We're just repeating it together. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, 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 who
And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Be honest, inside it was a little hard when everyone was reading it at different places, weren't they? At different paces. It's like, wow, why are they doing uh? And it kind of sounded a little bit off. <laughs> That's the way it goes. That's what we're called to. Father, it would be beautiful if we could look like you want us to. So, Father, teach us how to put on what is necessary. We ask that you would just. Let us see your love for us. And you said it yourself that you bared with us. You put up with us. So we can do it for each other. Teach us, Lord. Grow in us humility and kindness and compassion. We're excited to see who you're going to bring. We're excited to see what you're going to do in us so that we can see more and more in color. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.